Now let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture readings for today come from the New Revised Standard Version Bible, and we begin with Acts chapter 4, verses 5 through 12. The next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who is sick and are asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. There is salvation and no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Our next reading is from Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 through 21. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is justified not by the works of the law, but through faith. In Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ, and not by doing the works of the law, because no one will be justified by the works of the law. But if, in our effort to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have been found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. But if I build up again the very things that I once tore down, then I demonstrate that I am a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing." Our final reading is from John chapter 3, verses 17 through 21. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. So the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As we move through our Matters of Faith series, we come to the idea of salvation, being saved. And it is one of the biggest faith matters that we have. We see that in our readings for today. We come back to our earlier gospel reading when we talked about being born again in John chapter 3. 
we return to this discussion that Christ has with Nicodemus. And as he continues, he says something very big in our opening line for today's gospel reading. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And we get the idea that the light has come into the world, but people reject the light. They'd rather not have it because they like what they're doing. And we get an interesting picture of those who reject the light, it is because they are doing evil. And those who do good come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. And it sort of helps to lay the groundwork for idea of being saved, of our salvation. What we're being saved from is an inclination to do wrong from sin, from death. This can take on a lot of forms, and it can get really distorted if you fall too far down the rabbit hole. We get hung up on the idea that we're no good, that there's nothing good in us and we have no worth, that we're awful. We like to beat ourselves up. I don't buy into that. I don't buy into the idea that we are completely awful and completely without hope. I see that in this reading. We see people coming to the light because they do what is true. They come to the light so that God can be seen. But we also have to be careful with thinking that we can completely save ourselves, so to speak, and we can read some of that in Galatians. We know that a person is justified not by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ, and not by doing the works of the law, because no one will be justified by the works of the law. Paul asks the question, If we try to live in Christ but we are sinners, does that make Christ a sinner too? No. It's not how this works. Paul phrases it as, it is that it's no longer his life because he has died in Christ and is born anew in Christ. We live in Christ in spite of sin and we cannot turn Christ into us. We are made into him. And the way that he lives now is by faith in Christ. Paul does not nullify the grace of God, but lives in it. And it's this idea of God's grace that is open to all, that it's open for all to accept it. We get a further idea of that in our reading from Acts. We see Peter having to answer for his actions. The leaders want to know what he's been doing and how he's been doing it, about what power or name gave them the ability to heal. Peter replies boldly, If we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who is sick and are asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. Jesus is the stone rejected by the builders who has become the cornerstone. 
and that there is salvation under no other name other than Jesus. Now where this leads me for today's message is the idea of grace and how we accept grace so that we may live by faith in Christ. I think one of the things we can get a little too caught up in is the idea that our entire salvation is based on words and names. Because we can walk away with a feeling that after reading some of the things that were in today's readings, if we ignore some of what Jesus says in our gospel reading today and in other places in the Bible, that it's only the name of Jesus that saves. Then by the name of Jesus all can be saved, and that's it. And that would paint too simple a picture and might give us a false idea of God's grace. I think we are inclined to not always do the right thing, and we do need Christ, and it's upon his name that we call so that we can be saved. I do think that we fail. We fall short of God's grace. We fall short of being able to save ourselves. Human logic can often stray into areas where we try to justify things and rationalize things so that we can convince ourselves that whatever it is we are doing is right. To me, that's our fallen state, that we convince ourselves of all sorts of things that must be right because we want them to be right. But in the same way, we can do the same thing to faith and our salvation. We can try to justify and rationalize away our responsibility in the matter. We might try to do it by saying that God chooses whoever he chooses. And once saved, always saved. Or that all you have to do is say that Jesus Christ is your Savior. Hooray! End of story. And I would say sorry. No. Because that would be thinking that salvation is a one-time deal and is a simple process by which you go from one side to the other, never able to go back. And that all you have to do is say, Jesus, and you're there. Say a name and be saved. End of story. Don't have to worry about it anymore. The thing is, though, is that it is our choice. We are the ones that choose. And that's where things get tricky. God isn't offering his grace to some. God isn't offering his grace to a select few. God isn't saying, I've chosen only these to be able to accept it. We go back to that line in John, right after the very famous John 3.16, God didn't send the Son 
to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Which would mean all. Everybody. I can't claim to know, not in the slightest, everything God does or how God works because it would be overreaching and folly on my part. I can't claim to know all the mysteries and all the ways that God can bring people in and save them. I can't tell you what I believe and how I understand it. By accepting God's open invitation, an open invitation to accept His grace in your life, we accept the help to live a better life. We accept God's presence in our lives and let it be the guiding force that we have so that we can let God work through us so that we can be saved from ourselves, really. I could sit here and try to lay blame on the devil, evil spiritual forces, lots of things. But honestly, I'm not going to get into that today, because in the end, responsibility still comes back to you and your faith. It depends on whether or not you're willing to accept that invitation to let God love you. That's how I see grace. An open invitation from God saying, I want to share my love with you to help you, to deliver you, to guide you, to lead you. To offer salvation. I want to give you hope. And the question for us is if we accept it. Not a matter of what other people are doing and not a matter of what forces may be at play. But the question comes down to if we accept it. If we accept Christ's love in our hearts. Now, we're going to get more in-depth into works next week and their interplay with faith. Because they are important. But I do want to say this. Works can bring you closer to God. Works can show your dedication to God. Works can show your faith. They are an important way that we do so. But the concept put forward is that work alone isn't enough. We can work and work, but we fall short of saving ourselves. And that's where our faith in Christ's saving grace, where God's love comes in. That guidance of the Holy Spirit that filled Peter to speak. Peter's been questioned about healing people. He was interrogated for doing good. What kind of crazy thing is that? 
Being upset because someone was doing good in the world. According to Christ, those that are doing good are following the light and being led in the light. Why would we ever be upset over someone doing good? But sometimes we are. Sometimes we see people doing good and we think, well, they don't have the right reason behind it. Maybe God is already at work. Maybe the Holy Spirit is already moving. Already working in people that have yet to realize that that's what's moving in them. At the same time, we have to understand that we don't earn salvation. We are freely invited to it. No amount of work will get you paid with God's grace. We haven't earned it at all. You cannot earn a gift that is freely given. We accept it by accepting Christ's sacrifice for us, that he died so that we would know that we are loved so that we could live. We accept it by inviting God's grace into our lives, that we call on Christ to redeem us. That we can escape a cycle of falling short. So the thing is that when we talk about our salvation, we look at that opening step, that acceptance, saying, yes, I do want God to be part of my life. I do want to be guided. I do want to be led. I do want to take part in that new life in Christ. I want to live with him, die with him, and be born again into this life and the next. I want that hope. I want that closeness. But it's not to say that we can't reject it again. And that's part of the issue that we have, is that anytime you have something that's a gift, you can accept the gift, and you also have the ability to reject it. It will not be forced on you. And even if you've already accepted it, you can reject it later because it's a process, not an event. It isn't that you walked up, said, one salvation, please, and you walk away happy and content, never having to do anything again. It's the gift that keeps on giving. If you continue accepting. It's the life you live, not one decision that you make. It's a series of decisions. It's a process of being brought into what's good and living it. That we take that grace upon ourselves and we show it to others. And we emulate Christ. And if we were willing to emulate Christ, then we have to look at what he said and did. Christ didn't die just for those who already believed. When we give our communion liturgy, we begin with an open invitation to all. 
not just those who are part of the in crowd, but to all. And when we talk about Christ's sacrifice, we talk about it as a sacrifice for all. Which means that when we live our lives, we aren't just doing good for those who are in the in crowd. We're doing good for all. It doesn't matter what differences we may have. We are showing the light to all. You are accepting God's grace and glory to benefit all. Our salvation comes from the fact that we emulate Christ in wanting to help save others. Which means helping others live a life to the truth, to live a life of hope, to live a life of love. It's not based on rejecting those who are different, but on loving them. Despite what divisions we may have, despite what differences of opinion we may have, despite what choices others may make in faith, we love. And to do so, we continue to act in Christ, continuing to seek that saving grace, to continue to live in that life offered by Christ. Our faith being in that salvation. Because when I see people, I don't see people who are so fallen that they're beyond help. And that everyone is so abysmal that the idea of total depravity, as some will call it, is true. I don't see it. What I do see are people who struggle. People who are unsure. People who don't know where to go. People who are trying. I also see people who have begun living in Christ without realizing it. I see people all the time that do good in the way that Christ calls us to do good, that live a life that would honor God. And the key there is to extend the grace yourself and let them know it's there so that they can recognize it. Not to condemn but to save. Not to berate and belittle, but to lift up and to serve. Because in recognizing God's grace, we can grow more. We can focus in. We can help each other through God's grace that we actively seek salvation together. And that we do so on the faith that God is there to guide us and lead us and to help us. In the faith that God is there to help all people. In the faith that Christ died for all so that all could live. Not to beat each other over the head with it. Not to scorn people for doing good because they don't understand.
not from berating people who don't believe. So that we can love. So that others may believe by seeing our love. Because I know God works in all sorts of crazy ways through all sorts of people. Peter being a great example of that. And Peter is here, there, and all over the place. Peter, the solid rock. Peter, the guy that Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, to. Peter, the guy who proclaims his unending love for Christ. Peter, the guy that denies Christ. But Peter is always welcome, just as we are always welcome, just as all are always welcome to accept God's grace and God's love into our lives so that we can live a life closer to Christ, to be more and more like our Savior, that we become an example of God's love, just as Christ is the ultimate example of God's love for us. That we become a conduit for God's grace. That we extend it to others, that others may accept it, maybe without even realizing it at first. That they become part of the process because we have extended our love. And also because we extend our mercy. The same great mercy that is shown to each and every one of us. Never forget that we ask to be forgiven as much as we will forgive others. And that we are not called to love others if they love us. We are called to love others in spite of everything. I feel like I need to say that again. We are called to love others in spite of everything. Because God loves us in spite of everything. Just like the way Christ loves us and welcomes us in. And that is where our faith should be. That the door is always open for all of us. For everyone. That Christ died for all so that all could live that all could be lifted up, that all could believe, that all could be saved. And I never give up that hope. Because I trust that in whatever way God is going to get it done, God will get it done. My faith is that God will help me in whatever way I need to, to help others in whatever way that is. And I do it by loving. So when we think about being saved, remember that it's, a gift, not an earning. It is something offered up for free for all. That each of us is on our own path. Sometimes running, sometimes walking, sometimes stumbling, sometimes running the wrong way and falling on our faces.
But Christ is always there to help us along, to point us in the right direction, to pick us up, dust us off, and to tell us that he is still there for us so that we can continue to turn to him, to help us with the good, the bad, and the unknown. That our faith and our trust is that our Heavenly Father will see us through by the salvation offered through the Son under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Amen.